Hello, and welcome back to Young Nostalgia. As always, the podcast that takes a trip down memory lane from two guys that never lived it. And those two guys talking to you today, I'm Nolan. Sitting beside me is Ben, 800 miles away, but it's just like we're holding hands. We're good to be back, and uh, we apologize for the lateness, but I think we've solved our problem. We have moved our original, our weekly release date to Wednesdays every week instead of Tuesdays. So that way, if we botch weekends and don't do anything regarding the podcast... We can still do show prep on Mondays, record on Tuesdays, and release on Wednesdays. So that's what we're going to be doing. Uh, look forward to early morning Wednesday episode releases. Anyway, episode 41, this month in music history for July. Uh, as always, it's you know you kind of if you've been with us long enough, you kind of know how it goes. But uh, we want to give a quick shout out. Our podcast has grown a lot. We're over 2,000, over 2,000 downloads now, and there is a lot coming in from. Uh, kind of the New England area of the United States, a lot in the United Kingdom, and you know, kind of down south in Alabama and everything like that. Florida's hitting you out there, South Carolina, North Carolina. It's great to have you guys here. Thank you guys so much, and it does not get unnoticed. If you have any chance, please review us and rate us on iTunes. It really helps. Anyway, Ben, how you doing, dude? Oh, it's been a good day. Um, you know, I was just thinking when you were talking about moving the... Uh, Moving the release date back to Wednesday, you know the listeners out there are probably thinking, like, what what's different? Like, it's not going <laughs> to affect anything because that's pretty much what we've been doing <laughs> for the last I don't know couple months anyway. Is it would just get inadvertently pushed back till Wednesday, and they're like, okay, so pretty much nothing's changed. <laughs> well, yeah, but what is going to change is that they're not going to hear us apologize for not releasing it on time because now on time is Wednesday, so yeah. now. Yeah, they're be... also probably thinking like, okay, so now when they're late, they're going to be on Thursday. <laughs> so really, really the entirety of us botching things is just going to be moved back a day. Eventually, it's going to get moved back so far, it's going to come back to Tuesday. <laughs> yes, our original <laughs> release date is Sunday, now Monday. Uh, that's funny. That's actually really, really funny. I didn't even think about that. Anyway, I think this this show is going to be really exciting. I think there's some really cool things happening in July, uh, just kind of reading over it. Uh, I think it's going to be really cool to talk about, especially kind of what we have connected with uh, kind of the re-showing of these or kind of learning about the roots of certain things. And uh, I think it's really cool. And we actually, Ben and I were just discussing this before uh, hitting the on-air button. We are ready for a guest. And actually, after we're done recording, we're going to reach out to our first guest and it's going to be a treat to try and figure out what we're doing, but uh, we're really planning and looking forward to having uh, next week's episode with our guest, Shane, and I think it's going to be a good time. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much the way we're looking at it. We've been saying it this whole time. Listeners are probably getting tired of us saying it. Oh, we're going to have a guest. We're going to have a guest. But we are now ready to make that happen, and it's pretty much dependent on his schedule now. Like, yep. we are just, if, if he's ready to go, then we're ready to go. Exactly, exactly. And then soon we're also going to have Ben's brother on the show to talk with us about retro video games, which is going to be kind of cool. Uh, and then we can actually thank him in person over the air about uh, making our cover art. So thanks, <laughs> you know, Andy. He, he's, it's kind of funny. He's not necessarily super into retro and vintage video games. I mean, he likes them. We have a couple older consoles. It's He's just one of those guys that... When he gets interested in something, and it might say it might only last a couple days or a week, but when he's interested in something, he like dives headfirst into it and is going to uh, learn everything he can possibly learn about it. 
so that'll be that'll be cool i think he's you know he's never not the huge public speaker or anything like that but it'll be fun <laughs> yeah no i think it'll be exciting i think it'll be a great time uh okay <laughs> so without further ado why don't we jump on <laughs> why don't we jump on into this month in music history for july what do you got big guy Okay, starting, uh, this one is not necessarily a certain date. This is just overall July 1940. Billboard begins charting pop records. Uh, first national hit, I'll Never Smile Again by Tommy Dorsey. <laughs> Tommy Dorsey. <laughs> and, through, so, uh, and so Victor it begins. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I screwed up the first one. Oh my gosh. I think this is really cool, especially since like there's obviously a lot of hot pip, like, pop music quote-unquote pop back then but a lot of you know popular music even before then but it wasn't until 1940s that billboard actually came around and started charting them and kind of gaining the statistics of how popular certain albums artists music were uh and i think it's actually really kind of cool how tommy dorsey was in there because within the mid 40s early 40s frank sinatra actually started teaming up with tommy dorsey and mm-hmm. those guys kind of took it by storm and uh you you saw a lot of those guys as names on the billboard hot charts oh yeah i mean it was pretty much just reoccurring the the you know they might switch places here and there but for quite a while it was the same top names (laughs) you know it might be in a different order but they're always at the top yeah i love it absolutely love it all right so that was kind of cool. Uh, July 1st, 1970. Uh, this name might actually ring a bell for quite a few of you. Casey Kasem's The American Top 40 radio show actually debuted in 11 U.S. cities. So The American Top 40, commonly abbreviated to AT40, is an internationally syndicated independent song countdown radio program, uh, which was created by Casey Kasem, Don Bustany, Tom Rounds, and Ron Jacobs. And I think it's actually really, really cool. Uh, Casey Kasem has a very unique sound to him, the way mm-hmm. he delivers his uh, his material. It's really kind of calm, collected, and just his, his voice is easy to listen to and kind of get caught up in. But what I really enjoy is that a lot of times classic hit radio stations will actually re-air shows of AT40 now. And there's a radio station here in Lincoln that just started um, and I think it's really cool to kind of jump back in time and hear old broadcasts like that. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And when I was uh, uh, putting together this this particular um, date for this show, I was uh, some side reading on the side. It was uh, there's some serious stations that I think if, I think they they either play a lot of replays of Casey Kasem's Top Forty or or they're all, that's all they do is play Casey Kasem's Top 40 pretty much on loop. Yeah. Um, which is pretty cool. I mean, that's such a, I don't know, like, you know, I can't really speak for, you know, people who don't listen to a lot of radio, and maybe we're a little bit biased, but I, don't know, I, just, <laughs> I feel like it's, I feel like it's hard to not know who Casey Kasem is just because it's, everyone knows what the Top 40 is. Even if you have never listened to the old stuff, everyone's heard of Casey Kasem. Yeah, no, I agree. Especially like even if you see him, he's got that really friendly guy look, that smile. It's just like it screams his style, and I absolutely mm-hmm. love it. And it's so cool. It, it like listening to old broadcasts of American Top Forty. It's like not much has changed. Obviously, the music has changed, but like mm-hmm. it's so interesting because I think I believe it was like a weekly show, kind of breaking down the top forty of last week into this week, uh, and it was just so neat 
to see how the the music changed because a lot of times uh, when they re-air Casey Kasem's top 40, it's usually like one episode per decade, like every other week or something like that, where like mm-hmm. one will be like the 70s, one will be the 80s, um, and then they'll do another one in the 70s but a different year. So it kind of gives a lot of variety. But I mean, he hosted it since till August 6th, 1988. So that's 18 years of it, 18 years of Casey Kasem bringing the top 40. Uh, I bet he's seen a lot of changes um in the music industry and not even that, but he also like supplemented the material with how the bands got to be or how the song got to be and what the song represents. I just think the delivery was very good. Right. Yeah. And he, he wasn't just, you know, playing the role of just a normal DJ, just, you know, throwing up songs on the radio. He was, um, like you said, he w- he was talking about, uh, he was talking, if it was a band, you know, that was not necessarily well known, but their song got super popular, he'd kind of go in depth a little bit and kind of get their name out there and give people a little bit of backstory and just kind of, he talked about the music and didn't just introduce it. Exactly. Exactly. I love it. Great, great delivery. Uh, so he uh, actually left the show on August 6, 1988, where Shadow Stevens took over the program um, on the 13th of August, 1988, and then uh, subsequently hosted it up until January 28th of 1995, when the original program actually came to an end um, and kind of had a hiatus for about um, a few years, about three, three and a half years. So about three mm-hmm. years later, Kasem actually teamed up with Premier's predecessor, AM-FM Radio Networks, to relaunch American Top 40. So Kasem, who spent nine years hosting his own countdown for Westwood One, returned to hosting his uh, original created show on March 28th, 1998. And from there, uh, he hosted up until 2004, where Ryan Seacrest, Ryan Seacrest, excuse me, took it over, um, and uh, Kasem retired. And I believe up till now, I believe Seacrest, Seacrest is still the main voice in that kind of. Uh, in that kind of realm. I know like the kind of style and the way that American top 40 is presented is a lot different now, but uh, I believe it's still, still going strong. Yeah, I think so. Like it's not necessarily, I mean, it's still the same title of the show. I mean, formats changed a little bit and it's, you know, it's just one of those things where it, it's spanned so many years that you can't, can't help from change a little bit. Oh yeah, um, but it's pretty cool that it's still going, even though it's obviously not Casey Kasem anymore, and you know he's the big name of the show. Um, <clears throat> but it's still it's still nice when that that sort of thing has such a huge cult following and you know goes strong for so long. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't think anybody can ever really take that back over. Like the throne no. is built so high with Casey Kasem, it's it's almost impossible to be able to to bring back Casey Kasem. Yeah, I mean, it could go for the next 30 years with the same host. You know, someone could be in there longer than Casey Kasem ever was, and it'd still be Casey Kasem's show. <laughs> yeah, but I guess we're also biased, because that's why we're young nostalgia, and we'd rather, we'd rather enjoy the oldies rather than the newies, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, moving on a little bit. We have July 2nd, 1980, Bob Wire, Mickey Hart, and manager Joel Rifkin of The Grateful Dead, are arrested in San Diego for interfering in the drug-related arrest of a concert goer. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man, everyone's just here to have a good time. You don't need to wrestle anybody. We're just here, man. (laughs) Hey, man. Come on. Come on. That's not cool. (laughs) 
I don't know. Just something about this. Like it just kind of. There was multiple things I could have come up for for July second of nineteen eighty, but this one just kind of stuck out as like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you know it just what? seems like. I I just want to know like, did the concert goer get ignored? After the Grateful Dead were like, hey, don't do that. And then they get arrested. Concert's over. And the concert goers was like, all right, I guess it's time to go home. Yeah. Well, he probably took that moment of uh, distraction uh, for the police and just bounced. He was just out (laughs) (laughs) into the wind. Yeah. Yeah. What I would have done, if I was the Grateful Dead, I would like crowd surf out of there and try to escape, you know. Oh, that's a good good scheme. You know, because you've got like... I mean, you got fans helping you escape and run and block at the same time. Right? I mean, you can't yeah. get much better than Genius. that. Genius. And the, and the fans get to touch them, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, there you go. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> that thought doesn't necessarily occur to people when they're you know stoned at a concert, but I don't know. <laughs> Dude, I just want to touch you right now. <laughs> oh, geez. That's what All it's right. like every day living with Nolan. <laughs> oh, my God. But I'm not that blunt about it. July 3rd, 1969. Oh, that's <laughs> <laughs> July 3rd, 1969. The Rolling Stones guitarist Brian Jones is found uh, dead in his swimming pool, which I believe it was due to drug overdose, and then he drowned because of that. Right, I believe right? so as well. Yeah, because I think we made note of it down below. But uh, mm-hmm. we can dive into that. Talk about a high note and then a real low note. Uh, go yeah, ahead and no take kidding. it away from here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Who did the, the show uh... notes, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just how the this month in history is. Even when they're not music related, they just they go from you know up high to down low <laughs> real quick. It's like somebody's got to die every time. Yeah. All right. So July sixth, nineteen fifty-seven. 15-year-old Paul McCartney and 16-year-old John Lennon meet at a church picnic near Liverpool. That's really cool. Have you seen that video that's gone viral with James Corden in the Late Late Show? And you know how he does that karaoke in cars? So he had Paul McCartney in the car uh, in Liverpool, and they drove around together singing Beatles songs. And it was really (laughs) cool because they actually passed the church that Paul was like, I was a choir boy in there. And I believe they're choir boys together, and that's kind of how they met was through the church picnic mm-hmm. in Liverpool. Uh, and, and I think that's just kind of cool to kind of have Paul McCartney relive that, and here you are watching him kind of reminisce about where he was. He, they actually went to his first home with his family, like one of his childhood homes where he, mm-hmm. him and Paul got together. Excuse me, Paul and uh, Lennon got together, and they actually wrote uh, their first song, like, She Loves You, Yeah, 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 and all that. Mm-hmm. And uh, he showed us around, like, the bathroom and all that. All that. Now, I thought, that's pretty cool. But, like, James Corden's actually really good about that kind of thing. Yeah, I haven't seen that at all. Um, that's pretty interesting. I might have to do some uh, Google searching here after the show because um, that does seem pretty interesting. It's fun. It's really funny. It's cool. <laughs> all right, sorry. I kind of rammed on a, a little while. No, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> July 7th, 1980, the original lineup of Led Zeppelin performs for the last time. Uh, The lineup included Jimmy Page, Robert Plant, John Paul Jones, and John Bottom, which we have discussed John Bottom a lot in the past, especially when we talked about your passion for Led Zeppelin and also the British Invasion. Um, 
but I was actually listening to the radio today or yesterday, and uh, one of the stations I was listening to was talking about how um, a conversation came up with Jimmy Page and Robert Plant about the the band getting back together, um, possibly. But they had strong intentions saying, no, we're not. We're just not into it. We're not interested anymore. So what's mm-hmm. happening is that the only time that they're really getting to be- getting together is Jimmy Page, Robert Plant, and John Paul Jones are actually getting together to write like a Led Zeppelin biography book. And that, oh, Okay, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, and they were saying that that's the only time that they're getting together and no instruments are being played. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they've... Uh, there was... Uh... <clears throat> They're not really reunions at all, um, and I think several of them, there was, the tensions were pretty high uh, during the experience. But here and there, especially at uh, big concerts like Live Aid, like we'll talk about a little bit later in the show, um, and that sort of thing, like a lot of charity kind of stuff where a lot of big names were there, yeah. and they would show up, not necessarily as Led Zeppelin, but they would be there, and then, of course, they would play a little bit together. Um and that was both before and after the je- the death of John Bonham, who, when most of the time when they do, like, like when they did, uh, what was the name of the live album they just put out a couple years ago? Uh, How the West Was Won. Okay. I think. Uh, it was like a, it's like a six hour live <laughs> album. Um, I was not super interested in it just because I don't really like live recorded music, but, uh, John Bonham's son, Jason Bonham was actually, uh, his replacement for that uh for that album and that tour that's cool. cool that is very mm-hmm. cool i like that but unfortunately we're not going to see a revival of led zeppelin in the future no and you know sometimes sometimes when bands even really great bands when they do a revival later on and they've all gotten older and they're you know slowing down a little bit it's just it's one of those things you really you know you're looking forward to it and like oh it's really going to be cool when it happens and it's like oh you know, I mean, it could have been better. <laughs> you, you, been. you expect it to be exactly like when they were at their peak. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then it's, Almost, it, it never is. Almost like the Rolling Stones. I feel like they need to, to just, just let stop. off. The... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was a little bit more blunt about it than you were going to be. <laughs> I said the Rolling Stones have gotten a little moss on it. That's that's all it is. <laughs> yeah, I think they've g- gathered a little bit. Um, okay, July 9th, 1971, Doors lead singer Jim Morrison is buried at uh, Pere Lachaise Cemetery in Paris, France. Um, and I'm 99% sure I butchered that. Um, <laughs> but English is my native language and only language. So I don't Pere, feel too bad. Pere Lachaise Lachaise. Oh, is that actually how it's pronounced? I have no idea. I'm just putting a whole bunch of emphasis on weird, weird letters. Oh, sounds like it could be right. (laughs) Okay. All right. We'll go with it. (laughs) July 12th, 1962. Uh, Hey, speak of the devil. The Rolling Stones appear for the first time in in the London Marquee Club. (laughs) (laughs) In my mind, in my mind, it was one of those things that was like, now, don't say it like this because you know it's wrong. And then I end up saying it like that. Proceeded to the say London... it just like that. <laughs> the, the London Marquee Club. But that's, <laughs> that's pretty neat. It is cool. So, uh, oops, kind of screwed up on this one. We're going to back up to July 11th. <laughs> <laughs> 
1969. Oops. Uh, David Bowie releases Space Oddity as an ode to American space travel to the moon. And I believe we talked pretty in-depth about that a couple months ago. I agree. Um, I'm pretty sure we I did. I don't necessarily remember what the show was about. Oh, It might have been about just David Bowie in general. I think so. Well, no, I think it was. It might have been about uh, Neil Young or Elton John, because I believe there was something to do with a correlation between the two. Uh, okay, I can't remember. Boy, that's I'm sure that's a riveting podcast <laughs> right there. Right? <laughs> this is, I don't know. <laughs> this is amazing <laughs> podcasting. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. We love everyone out there. Thanks so much for joining us. July 13th, 1985, uh, Live Aid, which you kind of alluded to, a concert to benefit World Hunger took place uh, simultaneously at Wembley Stadium with 72,000 attendees in England, as well as JFK Stadium with 100,000 attendees over in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So the concerts took place on the same day, um, and they were inspired by the innovation, the innovative happened, um, the innovative event crap i'm doing real bad so on the same day concerts inspired by the innovative um happened in other countries such as soviet union canada japan yugoslavia australia austria and west germany so these two concerts spawned an innovative i don't know happening of 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 beneficial concerts around the world after them right Right. So after basically after these two concerts were uh, conceived, everyone else, people who weren't necessarily involved with these two venues, just started concerts just started popping up all over the place, all to be on the same day. Just to, they weren't necessarily involved with the main live aid. They just wanted to be part of the date. Okay. And they just started popping up all over the place. All right. That's that's really cool. Um, mm-hmm. such a large scale thing. And, and we've even, we've even talked about how that large scale radio playing of the Michael Jackson song, um, a few episodes back as well, a couple months. Uh, and now that we have like kind of simultaneous concerts, that's even bigger than a nationwide broadcast of music. Right. All right. Uh, did you have anything else? I didn't want to interrupt you. I didn't. I feel like I did, but then I lost it. <laughs> um, so continue <laughs> okay all right it was one of the largest scale uh satellite link-ups and television broadcasts of all time an estimated global audience of 1.9 billion people across 150 nations watched the live broadcast of these two concerts so if it was accurate this would actually be nearly 40 percent of the world population at that time almost 50 percent of the entire world was tuning in to see these concerts be performed. That, that is, is insane. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. <laughs> Super neat, but holy crap. I know. I mean, just the, the logistics involved with linking that many stations and, you know, broadcasting out to basically the entire globe. Wow. Is, that's just astronomical. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> stuff like this needs to happen more often, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that. It'd be so difficult to get everyone on the same. Just, I mean, it would be easier and more difficult. I mean, you have the technology of the internet and all that stuff to make it easy, but at the same time, it seems like people as well as the musicians themselves are so much busier. Yeah, that's you true. Know, like to get everyone gathered up in one spot for 
you know, for that to happen. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Uh, I guess we can kind of run through a short laundry list. There's a lot of people here. Uh, I'll take the notable names oh, yeah. of Wembley, and you can pick and choose some from the JFK performance. So some notable names in uh, Wembley was actually Phil Collins, U2, Dire Straits, Queen, The Who, Elton John, and Paul McCartney. I mean, talk about a powerhouse of artists. That's oh, yeah. freaking amazing. And we got to back up to Queen a little bit here because there's a note right here. They oh. were... Actually, vote. It was voted the best performance in musical history. Oh, you know what? And this I, was voted on by critics, other musicians, other celebrities in general. Just that it was just an outstanding performance. I think this is actually a lot of where the famed footage comes from, where uh, Freddie Mercury does that thing with the crowd, where he's like da 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 da. You know what I mean? Yeah, I yeah. I mean, he does that yeah. a lot, but, like... You see that became, all over the internet. It's pretty viral. Yeah. And, like, everyone does that at the same time, and it's so amazing. <laughs> and uh, I can't wait for that biopic to come out, man. It's going to be so mm-hmm. good. Yeah, I'm pretty interested interested in that as well. We we went to a movie last week, and they showed an advertisement for it. And I was just... Oh, clinging, really? I was clinging to the edge of my seat, and I was like, I need to see this <laughs> so bad. So bad. Oh, that's great. So, uh, going through the notable names at JFK, I'm really going to have to pick and choose here because even <laughs> the ones that I put on this long list on the show notes, it is a huge list. Um, so, we've got uh, people like Rick Springfield, there was Crosby, Stills, and Nash, Beach Boys, George Thorogood and the Destroyers, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Kenny Loggins, uh, Phil Collins again, and I'll get back to that in a second. Uh, Led Zeppelin, Duran Duran, Hall and & Oates, and, I mean, that's just a short list of, you know, all who, basically everyone. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Anyone who was everyone was... Yeah, it's it's a shorter list to say who wasn't there. <laughs> so, getting back to Phil Collins, he actually had a transcontinental performance. So, he performed <laughs> live, he was actually in person live at Wembley. He then took a helicopter to an airport where he got on a supersonic uh, Concorde, flew across the Atlantic, got on another helicopter uh, to take him from the airport, and I can't remember the cities that he flew in and out of, um, got another helicopter and flew him directly to uh, JFK Stadium to perform again in the United States. Yeah, and not even like perform by himself, but also drummed for Eric Clapton and played for the uh, uniting Led Zeppelin members for that concert right. as well. Yeah, he played drums. Yeah. Um, but uh, another, I mean, just to add on top of that, uh, I think I added it on here. Oh, yes. When he was actually on the Concorde flight, Collins uh, basically just bumped into Cher, <laughs> with, who just bumps into her, you know, yeah, on a right. plane. Um, <coughs> who was actually totally unaware that the concerts, the whole Live Aid thing, was even going on. And so he told her all about it. Hey, you know, you should come and hang out and stuff. Uh, and so actually, when she got to the United States, she went with him to Philadelphia to the Philadelphia concert. And actually took part in performing the uh, last part of the concert, which was the We Are the World finale. Gosh. And so she pretty much dropped whatever was she was doing, what was going on, 
and just hung, went with Phil Collins <laughs> over to Philadelphia and <laughs> finished up the show. I love it. That's amazing. <laughs> Which I mean, I'm not, I'm not a huge share fan by any means, and I'm sure that the audience is probably not surprised by that. By <laughs> you know, if they have picked up on any of my music tastes, but uh, I don't know. I think that's pretty cool. It's just an odd thing. Like yeah. Of all the people who are at these things and Cher doesn't know about it, it's kind of <laughs> weird. Yeah. But. Well, <laughs> what I really enjoy about stories like this is just like the stories that not many people know, the, the, the things that are not like common unless you kind of do a little bit of digging. Like the stuff that kind of makes these people so humanized. I love it. Because a lot of times, you know, we think a lot about famous people and we don't know what goes on behind the scenes. But when things come up and you're like, wow. That's really cool that she dropped everything mm-hmm. to be able to be a part of this. And then you just start to wondering, like, what was the conversation? How did they recognize each other? That kind of thing. Like, I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure not not many, like, blue-collar guys like you and I can afford a Concorde flight back in 1985. So I'm guessing it's probably not that hard for Sharon Phil Collins to meet. But, yeah, you know I'm what I mean? Yeah, I'm sure it was not, like, it's, I'm sure those flights tended to not be very packed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> 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 oh that's funny but i don't know that's just an interesting story all the way around it is it definitely is <clears throat> all right man i think you got the next one okay so we are now on july 17th of 1967 jimmy Hen- the jimmy hendrix ex- <clears throat> the jimmy <laughs> hendrix experience opens for the monkeys at new york's forest hills tennis stadium um and i thought this one was kind of funny just because what a what an odd combination to be together, um, Jimi Hendrix opening for the Monkees. <laughs> like those, I just feel like that that kind of like they have two very different, very distinct styles of music, and I would never put them together. <laughs> yeah, and the whole Monkees thing is funny anyway because I do I I, I you know no one can cite me on this, but. It's my understanding that, you know, the Monkees are kind of generally known as a band, but they weren't really ever a band. They started pretty much, it was the cast of the TV show. Oh, yeah. And then they kind of grew into, they had to kind of fill the shoes of being a band. <laughs> yeah. You know, because <laughs> that's how the public saw them. Um, Gosh, and that just adds to the whole oddness of Jimi Hendrix opening for him. I don't know. There's yeah. something about that. I think that was another one where I could have picked multiple things for July 17th, <laughs> but you had to pick that. I did, and that one's just like, yes, got to have that one. That one's that one's goofy. See, I want to see what the T-shirts would have looked like, like the ones that they sell at the stands at the studio at the, at the stadium. <laughs> like, like I want to get one of yeah. those. <laughs> July 21st, 1990, Roger Waters performs "The Wall" at the former site of the Berlin Wall. It's kind of neat. It is kind of neat. I don't have any backstory on that. At yeah, all. me neither. But, uh, but I mean, I think it's just kind of symbolism and all that. Uh, if you're very interested, you can go back to a this month in history uh, back in 2017. We actually dove into uh, the history and kind of what the Berlin Wall stood for. And actually, Ben's mm-hmm. mom held pieces of the Berlin Wall, and she's in a newspaper. Yeah, uh, there's a clipping around here somewhere, and I think. Last time we talked about the Berlin Wall, pretty much every time we talk about the Berlin Wall, you bring that up. I know, because your mom's uh, pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, well, I mean, not not everyone gets to hold a piece of the Berlin Wall. <laughs> not, and everyone. not everyone gets uh, their picture taken while holding a picture of the Berlin Wall. <laughs> not everyone has that picture yeah. in the newspaper. Wow. <laughs> They're holding the Berlin Wall. <laughs> Not everyone still owns the picture of you holding... In that paper. Yeah, in that paper, holding, holding. the Wall. <laughs> uh, oh, we're making fun of it, but it's actually pretty cool. No, it is pretty... It is really cool. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> July 23rd, 1980, Grateful Dead keyboardist Keith... Oh, boy. Keith... <laughs> God show, oh boy, dies two days after a car accident. Gosh. That, you know, that's a name I should know. <laughs> I just don't ever, I don't do anything with the Grateful Dead, so I just I don't know. know. I don't either. I don't know. Keith Gachow. I apologize. I apologize to the deadheads out there that are probably screaming at their phone or their computer right now. Just fast forward 15 at me. seconds. Yeah, just skip. <laughs> when you get to this part, just skip the last part. Yeah, but... <laughs> I hear a Morse, Morse code that real quick. Uh, yeah. <laughs> July twenty, July twenty fifth, nineteen sixty five. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> Bob Dylan plugs in his guitar and is booed at the Newport Folk Festival. <laughs> Do you have any, you have any backstory for this one? Uh, none other than that. It's just funny. Um. You know, it's just the fact that it's a it's a folk festival, so everyone's there expecting and wanting a uh, a natural acoust- acoustic. Oh, I sound like you, acoustic, <laughs> acoustic sound. Um, and he plugs in his guitar, and <laughs> Bob Dylan gets <laughs> <Everyone>. booed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> just like it's just weird trying to replay this scenario in my mind you know what i mean yeah i just imagine it's like as soon as he walks on stage you hear the <laughs> of the yeah, yeah. like static that when you plug in a guitar like <laughs> just <laughs> like what i'm thinking what i'm thinking is that spongebob episode where it's the talent show and nobody likes squidward but then spongebob comes out and mops it up so like oh yeah so bob dylan plugs it in and then unplugs yeah. it, walks off the stage, and then uh, and then Yoko Ono walks out, and everybody starts cheering, <laughs> and does nothing. Just yeah, there yeah, cheering. yeah, does nothing. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> All right, take us away for the last date. <laughs> oh wait, no, I think that one's yours. But oh, was it? Okay, yeah. <laughs> July twenty ninth, nineteen seventy four. Mama Cass Elliot dies in her London apartment from a heart attack at the age of 32. Dang. Ending it on a high note. And then, underneath, Ben has the audacity, and he's like, all of the following artists died in July. Billie Billie Holiday passed away over a heroin overdose at age 44 in 1959. Brian Jones of the Rolling Stones he drowned due to drugs and alcohol at age 27, 1969. Uh, Jim Morrison had a heart attack at age 27 back in 1971. Case, uh, Cass Elliott, heart attack at age 32, 1974. And Harry Chapin, heart heart attack, in, induced auto accident at age 39, 1981. 
So real high note on that one. But all of our thoughts really go out to these people that kind of paved the way for uh, the music industry. Um, and it really kind of, you know, a lot of this stuff, what really sucks is that a lot of it could have been prevented. You know what I mean? With like oh, the yeah. drugs I mean, and... Yeah, I mean, that's... It's so difficult um, to... Pretty much all of the, you know, deaths, the, especially the early deaths of these musician, musicians and stuff that we talk about, it's nearly always involved with drugs or alcohol or some other type of <laughs> bad decision making. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Like it's, it's it's sad. That could that could be a topic for an entire um, another episode. You know, I mean, I've always thought that. I mean, everyone's outdone it, already done it in other podcasts, but I always thought it'd be interesting for us to do a show on the 27 Club. Um, you know, that's the oh. musicians and celebrities who have died um, at the age of 27, which n- most of them go along with, you know, drinking and drugs and that sort of thing. I agree. I think that'd be a really interesting topic to kind of get more info on and, and, and explore that a little bit. I think that'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. But. Well, as always, thank you again for joining Young Nostalgia this week as we continue our journey through retro pop culture. Uh, If you enjoy the show, please leave a kind review on Apple Podcasts if you have the time, or just hit that five-star button, and uh, it'd be great to to hear your guys' input uh, through Apple uh, Podcasts app. And you can also find us on Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts on your favorite podcast app. If you have a future topic or you'd like to be a guest with Ben and I, give us an email at youngnostalgia2017 at gmail.com. And as we have been talking. We do have some promising things coming and look for a new interesting voice on the show next week. Uh, we're looking to talk to Shane and uh, a longtime friend of ours as well as fraternity advisor in college uh, involved a lot with kind of media um, and kind of the way that media uh, representation and the kind of the, the way that we absorb media now um, is changing in how different forms uh, of, of media has been changing with the times to be able to connect with younger generations and kind of connect us all uh, in a uniform way. So it'll be kind of interesting to talk to him about. But uh, in the meantime, feel free to listen back to any of the other 40 episodes before this uh, in five that are now volumes. Uh, always a blast doing the show. And uh, Ben, anything else, big guy? No, I don't, I don't have anything else uh, But as far as this show goes. But I am... Um... I'm pretty excited to start having guests on. I know we've only had one other call-in guest in the past. We've had Kyle on, of course, and I would still I, I would still count that as a guest, but it's I don't know, that's like you know, having someone with us when we're recording is is fun and is cool, but having someone, you know, a, a third person call in and do that sort of thing is is really cool and it's really fun, you know, it's, it makes it marks makes our small little podcast feel big time, know. you know, when on something like that. I I agree. Um, <laughs> That's funny. It certainly makes the logistics harder, <laughs> but uh, it it'll be totally worth it. I it'll agree. It'll be a lot of fun. I Especially agree. Especially with, you know, Shane will be great. We've and we've got other great uh, potential guests um, in mind for later episodes, and so we have to definitely have to stay tuned on that. It's going to be a lot of fun, you know, later this summer into the fall. Yep. It's going to be a treat for us and our audiences as well. 
Uh, well, as we always say here on Young Nostalgia. Keep the bottles empty and the ashtrays full. Take care, everybody. Bye.